Hola, soy Dafne Wegebe y soy amante de las investigaciones de crimen real. Existe una pasión especial de seguir el paso a paso que los especialistas en la rama forense de la criminología siguen para resolver cada uno de los casos en los que trabajan. Si tú, como yo, eres una de las personas que encuentran fascinante escuchar este tipo de investigaciones, te invito a escuchar el podcast Trazos Criminales con la experta en perfilación criminal, Laura Quiñones Orquiza en tu plataforma de audio favorita. You are listening to All Things Latina Podcast, where every week you will learn about topics relating to business and career, while at the same time receiving a kick of motivation. If you're ready to pursue your dreams and goals, then you are where you need to be. I am your host, Tani Estefi, a traveler, digital guru, and hot sauce loving Latina. Episode number five. Thank you for tuning in. And don't forget to follow All Things Latina Podcast on Instagram for updates on upcoming podcast episodes and inspirational reminders. On this episode, I have a very special guest, and her name is Eva Macias, a financial expert and an author of a number one bestseller book, A Latina's Guide to Money. Eva enlightens us about dinero, 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 and who doesn't love money, right? Especially if it's extra money that you could be saving every single month if you budget right. Eva will talk to us about how to budget our money, how to save, and how to still treat yourself and have extra self-care dollars because she believes that every woman is worthy of having it all. And I love that. So stay tuned. And I promise you after this episode, you're probably going to want to go budget yourself. So stay tuned and let's get started. First of all, Eva, I would like to thank you for joining and being on All Things Latina podcast. I really appreciate you educating us more about our finances and about our money. So I'm very excited to have you on. Thank you so much for reaching out. I absolutely appreciate it. And like I said, I really appreciate you continuing to share your light and, and saying, hey, you know, we need more of this. And so I'm very grateful that you chose me. And I'm very grateful that together we can definitely, like I said, I, I believe that if you do things from the heart, it'll land in the heart. I'm a really big believer in that. So I know that it's going to create a big ripple effect. I completely agree with you. And there's nothing more like giving, right? So before um, we dive into budgeting, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in finance. What really sparked that interest in you? So a little bit about my background. I actually, interestingly enough, I actually was a political science major in school. Okay. <laughs> and I, I thought I was going to be a politician and change the world. And that didn't happen. I actually used to have an internship at the White House. And then oh, I decided nice. that I didn't want to be a politician or I didn't want to study politics, that I actually wanted to be an attorney. And so I ended up getting an internship at a law firm in downtown L.A., a very reputable law firm, and also realized that I didn't want to go to school for the rest of my life. <laughs> and <laughs> I wanted to make a difference. At that time, I had actually gotten a job at a escrow company, which what an escrow company just does is they're a neutral third party 
that runs that pretty much allows the real estate transaction to run smoothly. So they're completely neutral. And I started off as a receptionist, not knowing anything, but I started in a really, really nice area, San Marino, California. If you guys don't know where that's at, it's really beautiful. And I was really grateful for that. But what happened was that I started feeling overworked. So I used to work from like 9 to 9 p.m. And I didn't like it anymore. At that point, I was like, this career choice that I made was great, but I don't like it. And don't get me wrong, it was very, very um, financially rewarding. But at the same time, I felt like all I was doing was working. And so I decided, you know, that I wanted something different. But I didn't know what. And it's always okay not to know, right, um, what you want to do as a next step. Uh, but in your case, do you feel, did you, were you always a fan of like math and numbers growing up? You know, I always thought because I had a really hard time in school with math that I wasn't good at math. But what happened is it's not that I wasn't good at math. When I actually started focusing on financial planning and doing all of, you know, retirement planning and all that stuff, what shifted and what really landed for me is the impact that it actually had on my family, especially my parents. And that's when I was like, good or not, I'm going to find out what happened here. Because I was like, I was actually really upset. I was really upset that my parents had only retired with $1,100. And that, wow. call it passion, got me to overcome whatever story I had told myself that I wasn't good with numbers. Literally, my life has been nothing but numbers. And I'm not kidding you. I was frustrated. And then what kept me going, though, was that I always told myself, if my mom and my dad came to the United States not knowing anything, and they were able to, you know, be amazing citizens and just just get us through stuff, right? That Why would I not learn this? If my mom and my dad taught themselves how to read and write, why would I not teach myself this? This is not that hard because I know how to read. I know how to write. I know I have resources. I can pick up the phone and, you know, just make calls, whereas my parents didn't have that. And so I would always remind myself every single time things got, you know, a little hard where I just wanted to cry, which I did. I cried. But I just reminded myself that my parents had it worse than I did. So then stop complaining. And that's honestly how I got through learning more and more about the career. And I fell in love with it. And I actually gave myself a deadline. I said, I'm only going to give myself five years. Um, Where did I come up with that? I just did. I said, I'm going to give myself five years. If I can't make it in this industry, I'll just go back to being a nutscrow officer. That's what I did before. And I'm not kidding you. I fell in love with it so much. And then I created, you know, a lot of other stuff like the book, like the boot camp. I started thinking way outside the box because in my field, unfortunately, it's a very, um, it's a very interesting field to say the least, you know, and it's a really, it's, it's a very old school box. And so I said, no, I got to think outside the box. I got to think differently than everybody else's. And, and literally that's how it all started. Thank you for sharing that story with us, Eva, and everyone listening, really think about that, about what she just said of, you know, her thinking she wasn't good at numbers because that's what she told herself. And just like that, many of us sometimes have self-doubt and that's not the key here. The key here is to believe in yourself and go for it. Even though it may be scary, you still want to go for it. In your book, you talk about budgeting and bucket budgeting. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that and how it works? 
Yes. So as I had mentioned, you know, I believe that you're worthy of having it all, and that's the model. And the buckets are making sure that all buckets are filled. So I'm just going to use an analogy. Imagine you have five buckets, and these buckets are all about your house, your car, your other living expenses, your debt, if you have any. If you don't, don't go get into debt. But that could be maybe your kid's bucket. Or if you don't have children, that bucket that would normally be accounted for debt, what can happen sometimes is we can use that bucket and just add money, and that could be your fun, like travel money, if you like to travel. And then we have our savings slash investing bucket. So there's these five buckets, right? How do you fill up a bucket? One drop at a time. So how do you fill up those accounts? With $1 at a time. So I created where it's housing, transportation, other living expenses, debt, savings and investing would be the last one and that would be one combined bucket and so when you get your paycheck not the gross amount not the amount that you're like oh yeah i make you know seven thousand no the one that you actually get deposited into your account which is your net your net money once it gets deposited into your checking account immediately you should already know how much of that check is going to go towards each one of those buckets starting with the bucket of saving and investing first so I always tell people, I'll give you an example. You have $5,000, and let's just say out of those $5,000, you actually want to know how much money should I be putting into the bucket of savings and investing. So immediately I tell you that take seven, um, take 15% of your 5000 and put that into the bucket of savings and investing, which means now your $5,000, you're going to subtract $750 and put it into that bucket. So because once you do that, what happens is you started paying yourself first, okay? You started paying yourself first. You started saving first. And then the money that's left over, which would be about 4250 you start making the distribution to all the other four buckets. And why that way? Because if we start off with spending first and then saving, we will never have enough money to save. But if we start off first with saving and then spending, we will adjust our finances and our spending based on whatever money is left in our bank account. So it's like a reverse psychology type of thing for us so that this way we learn how to save first and then spend, not spend first and then save later. It's a great point that you make that you have to pay yourself first, meaning you have to save first before you spend. So I think that's just great, you know, and it's a great mentality and a great start for you to have. If that's the only step people take out of this whole process, they're going to win. And not because Eva said it, not because you said it, but let me tell you something. When I started implementing my own advice, my finances completely, never in a million years did I think I could save so much money by me just doing it in that way. And I'm talking about, I even surprised myself the first time I did it on me, right? Um, because you got to take your own advice. And I was so shocked. I was like, I can't believe I just saved all that money. In my head, if you would have said, Emma, you're going to save $25,000, there's no way. Like, I would have already checked myself out. But I said, no, I'm just going to implement the 15%. And I'm just going to do it this way and see how much money it's going to add up to be. And when I saw the bottom line number, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I have money in my savings account. It was such a rewarding feeling that you kind of just get addicted to it and then you just keep going. 
Yes, it's always good to think about the long run, to think about, okay, six months from, from now, how much would I have saved? 12 months from now, how much would I have saved? And just keep going. So I, I like that. That's really good. Eva, in your book, you talk about budgeting and how to budget and where to budget your money in different buckets. So for example, you mentioned bucket number one, which is housing. Can you talk to us about how much percentage should go into the housing budget? So bucket number one housing, 35% of your net take-home money should go towards housing. And whether you're renting or whether you're renting or whether you have a mortgage or whether you're saving for a home, 35% of your money needs to go there. Okay. Now, can you clarify to us what exactly goes under housing? Like do utilities go into housing? Is it just rent and mortgage? Can you clarify that? So housing is very particular. Housing is rent, mortgage, and utilities. And that is it. Nothing else. Yes, can it get a little bit gray? Yes. So, for example, let's just say that in your housing, you have a little more extra money, right? Maybe there you can throw in later on the cleaning lady. Maybe you can throw in the gardener. Maybe you can throw in your life insurance in that portion of it. And and this is where it gets a little gray. Everybody's different, and that's why I tell everybody, come see me, because everybody's still unique, and everybody has a different way in their finances on how they do their finances. But, for example, why do I put life insurance into that housing? Is because if you own a home, right, and you have a $500,000 mortgage and you require two incomes to run that mortgage, you want to make sure that just like you got yourself a 30-year mortgage, you're going to get a minimum of a 30-year life insurance on your significant other or the person helping you pay this mortgage. So if something did happen to them, you now have money to be able to cover the mortgage. So it gets a little gray, but for the overall picture, it's 35%, and that would be your rent or your mortgage and your utility bills. Perfect. It's really great to note that and to know how much of your money, of your net income, should really go towards your rent or your mortgage and what else is included in those buckets. So thank you for clarifying that. And now can you tell us what goes in bucket number two? Because there's five buckets. So what goes in bucket number two? So actually, bucket number two is transportation. Bucket number three is uh, living expenses. So bucket number two in transportation, because I want to make sure I give you guys that, because we want to make sure we have a house and then we want to make sure we have a car before we get to all the fun money. Um, usually in for your transportation, it should be 15%. Transportation meaning car payment, whether it's to buy, to leave, um, you owe your mom because whatever the case may be. It's your car payment, your insurance payment, your gas, your registration, and your maintenance on your car. I do oil changes usually about every three months, so I include that on there. Car washes, if you're like me, I like washing my car every Monday. So that would be in that transportation category. Okay, so speaking about transportation, would you say that Ubers and Lyfts or taxi cabs, if anyone uses taxi cabs now, would that be included into the transportation bucket? So unless, here's the gray area. Okay. Unless 
you don't have a car payment because I do have a scenario with someone doesn't have a car and all she does is takes Ubers to work to everywhere. So she uses Uber as her transportation. That goes into that bucket. But if you're using Ubers, like, for example, my husband and I on date nights, um, we use Ubers because we don't want to drive. We're tired. They're fun nights. So that Uber expense would go into other living expenses, which is bucket number three. So it depends on how you're using Uber. Just because it's Uber, it's a car transportation, you put it into this bucket. It's like, no, no, no. If you're using Uber as a transportation means, then yes. But if you're using Uber as a once in a while, I got out of a bar, I need an Uber ride home, that's a different type of category. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. So that's good that you clarified that. So would you say that Ubers and Lyfts, those fall under the living expenses bucket? Um, or can you talk to us a little bit more about the next bucket and living expenses? What exactly goes under living expenses? Living expenses or other living expenses, as it's known through my book and stuff, it's really the money that you use for other stuff. So what do I mean by other stuff? And that one, the percentage is 20%. You're talking about groceries. You're talking about cell phones. You're talking about meals and entertainment. You're talking about um, uh, clothes, if you buy clothes for yourself, uh, personal supplies, if you get your nails done, self-care, anything that has to do outside of the housing and transportation you would put in here. So this is like fun money, right? Meals and entertainment, but also groceries. And why is it that we put it under here is because you would think, oh, but wouldn't groceries be under housing because you've got to provide food? Yes, but when I break it down in this way, it doesn't fall into that category. This has its own category. So it's 20% of your of your net paycheck, net meaning the check, that, the amount that you take home, 20% of that. So here this is where most people have a really hard time. This is where I've had people put like 50% of their net paycheck here, or not put it, but they're spending 50%. Where if you can take control of bucket number three, you're going to win. That's the bucket that if you can just in 2020 focus on saying, no, I'm going to stick to my 20%, every other bucket would get filled no matter what. And so, again, it's groceries, cell phone, cable, um, let me see, it's groceries, cell phone, cable, um, self-care, anything that has to do with self-care, whether it's therapy, hair, nails, eyelashes, facials whether it's your children, uh, you would put it all into this category. But again, it gets a little gray because children could potentially have their own bucket if you don't have debt. But if you have debt, then your kids fall into this category. So, for example, if you have kids and you're like, I want them to play soccer, I want them to play sports, this is where you look at the category to make sure that you guys have money. Perfect. And I love that you mentioned self-care. And for those of you listening, self-care goes under bucket number three. I really like that you take that into consideration because sometimes you might just opt out of doing your hair, doing your nails because you feel that you don't have the budget for it. But if you budget the right way and you follow this budget bucket system, it may be that you might just need to budget your money a little bit better, which leads me into my next point and the next bucket, which is debt. Can you talk to us about how much should really be going into debt or what percentage you should be paying off in that section? Yeah, 15% goes into debt. 
And let me clarify what debt is. Because people say, well, I can put the car in this one since it's debt. No, car already came into transportation. Debt comes down to credit cards, personal um, loans, student debt, or anything that you, like any of that. That is debt, okay? Now, let's just say you don't have debt. These are some of the things you can do if you don't have debt. You can get, use that additional 15% and now put it towards your housing, which now would give you 50%. And why do I do that? Because what happens now is that you're now able to maybe get a bigger home. Because let's just say if your family is growing, or not only that, maybe you're like, you know what, our family's growing, or we may need a roof in our, our house very soon. Um, we can use that 15% and put it into the housing category. Let's just say you're like, no, we're living perfectly fine within our housing needs. What can I use this category for? If you have kids, this could be your kids category, right? But let's just say you're like, well, I'm not going to spend all this money on them. Well, maybe out of this category, now you can use 7.5% for your kids and the other 7.5% for travel. Or if you're like, no, my kids, we do really great with the other living expenses and I can get this one and specifically put it towards travel, towards, like, my Christmas fund, towards my birthday funds, you can use it. But that's only if you do not have debt. Okay, yes, it's definitely always good to know how much goes into debt. And also, because, you know, people have credit cards. I have credit cards. So can we talk a little bit about credit card debt? And, you know, one other thing I want to bring up, which is very, very common, and this is the part where, I hope everybody that's listening really, like, I really hope this makes a really big difference for them. But let me tell you something. If you're 15%, okay, and I use always 5,000 because it's like an easier number, right? But the formula works for whichever amount of money you bring in. But let's just say 15% of $5,000 is $750. So let's just say your credit card debt, you don't owe that much on like your minimum payment. Let's just say your minimum payments are only $300. Do me a favor, spend $750 because we've allowed it that money. If all your other buckets are are in the green, they're not negative, pay $750. The reason being is because if it's going to take you, let's just say, five years to get out of debt, my goal is that you get in out of debt in half the time so that immediately we can start shifting this bucket into something else. Number one, number one mistake that I personally, personally see is people, even though they owe this debt, don't want to spend enough money to pay that debt sooner. Because it's like, I know I'm not going to pay them 750. The minimum payment says 300. Like, I'm only going to send the 300. Or I'm going to send a little bit more, like 350. But your budget allows you to send 750. You see? Why is this important? Because it means that you're going to get out of debt quicker which means you're going to save interest in the long run. You don't see it until we add it up. It'll probably save you a few thousand dollars, you know, and why not save a few thousand dollars when that, those few thousand dollars, instead of giving them to the credit card companies, now you can use that money and save it for something else. Great point, because in the long run, when you think about it, the interest really creeps up on you on your credit card. So keep your eyes open. And like Eva said, just 
Send over more money if you're able to. Don't hold off on it. Pay off that debt. The sooner you pay it off, the better. Now, the last bucket is saving and investing. And I know we talked a little bit about saving in the beginning, but can you elaborate a little bit more about what goes into the bucket of savings? Because I know that in your book, you advise different sub buckets within that same bucket. So the last bucket, which is savings and investing. So the reason why I put both of them in that bucket is because I found if it's 15%, we don't understand that savings is, it means a lot of different things for many different people. Everybody should have an emergency savings account. So what I do from that 15%, I subdivide it into the two more buckets. So I get the 15%, I divide it by two, and you get 7.5%. 7.5% of that, that money needs to go into an emergency savings account. What I mean by an emergency savings account is that if you walk into the bank, they'll give you money. If you have an ATM, they'll give you money. That emergency savings account should not li- be linked to your regular checking account. So if you bank with, and I'm not, not, I'm not supporting or endorsing or saying any of these, but I'm just throwing the big banks out there. If you bank with Chase, go get a savings account with Wells Fargo and d- don't link them. We don't want you to see your emergency savings money. We want you to do out of sight, out of mind. We want you to be aware that you have money there, but we do not want you to, or I don't want you to link it because it's easy to just transfer, transfer, transfer. Technology can be your best friend or our worst enemy. And then the other additional 7.5% is for long-term investing. What I mean by long-term investing is that's what's the money that you would be putting in towards your retirement. Why? Because what I've learned is that that's what happens when People don't save money for the future, then that means they won't have money for the future. And learning from our parents and our culture that we don't always prioritize, we depend, we depend on social security. The goal is to have multiple streams of income. And the only way you're going to get there is if you open up these accounts, if you fill these buckets to be able to open up these accounts. So my goal for everyone would be that they all participate in their 401ks, their 403, all their, their like, work-related retirement accounts, but that they also have additional because we cannot allow ourselves to think, oh, well, my job's going to take care of me because trust me when I tell you, they're not. (laughs) Not because they don't want to, but because they're running a business and they're going to do their best in taking care of their employees. But their most businesses' main concern is profit. And so it's important that you understand that you get to take care of you and you get to be responsible for the lifestyle you want to create in the future. They're not going to know that. And you can't blame your employer for not funding your future because they have no idea what type of future you want. So it's important that you take on the responsibility and say, okay, 7.5% for me, it's long-term. What I mean by long-term is more than 10 years, more than 20 years, more than 30 years. It just depends on the age bracket that you're in. So if you're 35, for sure, that 7.5% is going to be a long-term long-term um, plan, more like a 30-year plan. So for the next 30 years, put 7.5%, you'll end up with a nice little account. That's where people can contact me and I can show them what type of accounts they should potentially open and all that good stuff. But I subdivide those so that this way there's always clarity on where your money should go and why it should go there in a way that is in English and not in just financial jargon that you're going to get lost and be like, <gasps> analysis paralysis. I'm not going to do anything because I have no idea what she said. I'm going to put it to you in a way that you're like, look, 
I don't want you to be broke. How are we going to do this? And I'll do 20% of the work by helping you and showing you where you can put your money. However, you got to do 80% of the work, which means you've got to open up the bucket and fill it in every single month. So I just want to make sure and clarify that. I think it's great that you're reminding everyone about the future because I, I feel like sometimes we can get lost in the moment. When we get paid, we just spend, we do this, we do that, money here, maybe save a little bit. But it's really important to think about the future and really think about, you know, your retirement goals. So really having that number of 7.5% or seven, you know, seven and a half in your retirement savings and just forgetting about it, that's a great pointer. And then having the other half in your emergency fund. So everyone listening, take notes because this is very valuable information. So thank you for sharing that. Now, before we wrap up, can you tell us what your life motto is or if there's a particular saying that you live by? Wow. Well, I have a few of them, but um, the one that really hits home for me is you're worthy of having it all. That's for sure one of the ones that every time I say it, I think of all of us. It's not just I'm worthy of having it all. Like I really think of it as community. I think of it as humanity. I think of it as as self-love, I think of it as abundance, I think of it as magical, you know, I, I think of it as our, all of our, like, ancestrals just saying, look, you deserve this and a lot more, so you're worthy of having it all. That's another one that I go off of, and something, a model that I've, it's keep it simple. Simplicity, there's a lot of power in simplicity, so keep it simple, as simple as that may sound, keep it simple, and, I mean, I can tell you one thing. By simplifying everything in my life, it's given me more of everything. And I wish, I, I live in so much gratitude, but I really wish that I can somehow through my light, through my sharing, through my appreciation of my journey, that I can just continue to shine my light and light other women up. And not only women, men, you know, but it all starts with a simple choice, action, and then keeping it simple and keeping it consistent. And that's where I've seen my success, if you want to call it success, my whatever you want to call it. It's just the journey that has worked for me. So if you're worthy of having it all, keep it simple. Prefiero estar loca que pendeja porque la diferencia es mucha. And we're not. No somos pendejas. We're very smart. We're hard workers. Sometimes we just need a little bit of a course correction. And we need mentors. And we need brave women to continue to say, you know what? I got you. I know how you're feeling. It's scary. I get it. But you know what? Just do it. I, the other side of it is so much better because I've lived both sides. And I want, I tell people, I want you to create a travel account because I don't want to be the only one traveling by myself. I want to take you with me. So for that reason, like I said, I believe that everybody's worthy of having it all. And understanding what that really means for each household is just incredible. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for educating us today about how to budget our finances. Before we go, can you tell us where everyone can find you on social media and where they can find your book? Sure. On Instagram, it's Eva Macias. On Facebook, it's Eva Macias as well. The name of my company is Eva Macias and Associates Financial and Insurance Services. That's super long. But usually it's, everything's under Eva Macias. If people want to book a 
free 60-minute consultation, they can through my website or they can do it through my Instagram handle. Instagram, they can link in the bio. But if you want to go to my website, all of my calendar is set for the entire year. So people can go on there, book an appointment. It is a free consultation. But one thing I ask is that they show up prepared. So once you link, you'll go ahead and get an email with what items to bring. And you'll get a confirmation 24 hours before our appointment. You actually get a text message reminder that, hey, you have an appointment with me. And so this way people can come see me so they don't ever feel like, oh, she's too expensive. It's a free consultation. i got to see if we're going to be a fit. And also they can purchase my book through Amazon. I normally carry them in my office as well. But you can purchase my book through Amazon. You'll get it tomorrow. <laughs> if you buy today, you'll get it tomorrow. And the financial boot camp, if you go to my website, evamacias.com, you can actually find out more information about all the upcoming boot camps that are coming up for this year. One thing we're doing different because I am seven months pregnant is that we actually are going to be doing a virtual boot camp for all of those that can't always make it to Whittier at 6.30 on Tuesday. So our next boot camp is scheduled for February 25th. And I believe that one's going to be the virtual one that we're going to be able to have. So if you want more information, people can actually go on there, put their email, wait for that this when we release, when we open the cart for people to purchase the boot camp, they absolutely can. And then we look forward to seeing you and connecting you and making you part of our alumni group that we have a beautiful shirt so that you will earn and just invite you to our community. We have over 200 plus women that have already, actually we probably have like 250 women already that have graduated to this uh, from this boot camp. And it's been an amazing, amazing journey. Amazing. There's nothing like women supporting women, Latinas supporting Latinas. So I encourage everyone listening to the podcast to go check out her Instagram, go check out um, her book. You will literally learn so much. And I highly encourage everyone to start budgeting, go see how much you can save. And always remember that if someone else can accomplish something, why not you? Hola, soy Dafne Wegebe y soy amante de las investigaciones de crimen real. Existe una pasión especial de seguir el paso a paso que los especialistas en la rama forense de la criminología siguen para resolver cada uno de los casos en los que trabajan. Si tú, como yo, eres una de las personas que encuentran fascinante escuchar este tipo de investigaciones, te invito a escuchar el podcast Trazos Criminales con la experta en perfilación criminal, Laura Quiñones Orquiza en tu plataforma de audio favorita.